Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Notice Jesus sees him. Jesus noticed him. Jesus comes over to him. I love that. Amen. I love that. That Jesus passed by. He saw him. Jesus saw him, a man which was blind from his birth. From his birth he was born blind. Everybody that's in underneath the sound of my voice was born a sinner. Amen. Everybody. Everybody's born a sinner. Everybody was blind to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody was born blind, but Jesus Christ, he's passing by. He saw a man was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did this sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Uh, that's a weird question. They see this man, and they see he's going through problems, through tribulations, and just like the rest of us, because we're all sinners, we think, well, that person must have done something really, really bad, and God's having to punish them. Amen, Brother Keegan. Yeah, y'all think that way sometimes, don't you? Amen. Some, uh, yeah, yeah. You do that when it's your enemy. <laughs> you have somebody you don't really like and see something bad happen to them, you're like, well, that's what they get. They shouldn't have talked to me that way, or they shouldn't have acted that way. Come on, guys. Are we awake in here or not? Yes, you, we think that way. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the way they think. They said, Lord, who did this? Did he do this some wicked sin that he was born blind? Or did his parents do something that made him being, was born blind? You don't think a parent don't ask that when their child is born with some kind of deformity? Yeah. The first thing they ask is, God, why me? Right. My sister was born, had a child born that basically was born with cancer. And she asked me, why did God do this to me? What did I do? Did I do something wrong? No. No, God wanted it that way. I can't explain why right now, but after it was all said and done, I understand completely why I did, why God wanted it that way. Jesus Christ answered him and said, verse 3, Jesus answered, And neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Amen. Hey man, this guy was born because God's going to get the glory. This guy was born blind, was born crippled. This, this person has can't Something's going on in a person's life for God to get the glory. You don't believe me. Some of y'all don't believe me that God can work that way, but he does work that way. Look at, before we get too far into this sermon, I promise you, Lord willing, this will be the only time I make you turn this morning, but turn to Exodus chapter 3. Because I want you to see this. I want you to see out of God's own mouth what he says about this. Exodus chapter 3. Because Moses, Moses was born with a stammering tongue. Moses was a stammerer, and Moses was trying to get out of, of doing anything for God because Moses had a problem speaking, and uh, Moses was trying to get out of it, and a lot of us are like that. We don't want to serve God. We don't want to do anything for God. We want to make excuses, and there's really no excuses with the Lord. He, he, uses, he can use anybody. He's using me, so he can use anyone. Amen. So look at Exodus chapter 3, and this is how God, Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 4, pardon me, Exodus chapter 4. Excuse me, Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. Look at verse 10 so you can get the context of this. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. 
He's making excuses. God's trying to send him to, to go get Israel out of Egypt, and Moses don't want to do it, obviously. And he's saying, well, well you know, I, can't, I can't speak very well. I'm, I have a stammering tongue, slow a tongue. Look what the Lord says in verse 11. Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. You need to put a star next to this verse. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who, hath ma who maketh the dumb, those that can't speak, or the deaf, those that can't hear, hear or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? Amen. The Lord just takes credit for making the blind, the crippled, those that can't talk, those that can't see, those that can see. Amen. Verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Back in John chapter 9, guys, the Lord makes us this way. The Lord brings stuff on us sometimes. And it's for God to get the glory. We don't like it. A lot of us don't like it. And the Lord works that way in people's lives. And if the devil comes in and does something to you, you can turn it to God's glory. Amen. Amen. Maybe the Lord come in and, I mean, maybe the Satan came in and did give you something. Maybe Satan did come into your life and tear your family up or, or give you some kind of illness or give you some kind of financial problems. Maybe the devil's behind that and the Lord allowed the devil to do it like he did Job. But you can still give God the glory in your problems. Amen. Job found a way. To give God the glory when everything fell apart on Job. His health, his family, his own wife turned on him. He still gave God the glory. And he said in Job, Job said in Job, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen. He said, even if the Lord kills me, I still trust him. God gets the glory out of this stuff. And that's what Jesus Christ is pointing out there in John chapter 9. He said, neither one of them sinned. The works of God should be made manifest in him. God wants to work in you and work through you. And if you'll just allow it to happen, he'll do something really great. Amen. Man, you know, uh, Joseph dealt with this. Joseph was, did nothing wrong, was thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, went into Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife accused him of raping her. He, got, he is thrown down in a, in a dungeon, down in a jail for two years. He does everything right by God. Uh, the butler and, the, and, the, and the, uh, the, uh, the baker get out, and the baker gets hung, and the butler forgets him. And he stays in there a lot longer. And finally, at the very end, he gets out, and he deals with, he gets out, and God gives him the interpretation, and he turns into a great man. And what happens when all the family comes to him at the end? God, jo 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 Joseph says, a very, says something very important. He said, you meant that for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen. To bring me down here and get all this ready so he could bring my whole family down here, and we could all live in peace and prosperity down here in Egypt. See, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So if some evil's going on in your life, God can turn it into good. Amen. Man, we serve an amazing God. He can do this stuff. Man, I don't care if you believe me or not. He can do things for you. He works in amazing ways. Verse 3 of John chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. Jesus spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now that's what Brother Ingersoll was talking about. He takes clay and he spits on it. 
And he makes this little, little, little mud and he puts it on that guy's eyes that's blind. He says, now go down, look at verse 7. And he said unto him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore. So he, he does this kind of stuff and he puts it on his eyes, spits on the clay, puts it on his eyes, makes a little eye pack, like a little mud pack. Some of you ladies know what that is. It puts a little mud pack on him. Sends him on his way. He goes down there. He washes and he's going to be able to see. What's amazing about this is he doesn't heal everybody the same way. Now, a Brother Inside pointed out a good point that we're made out of clay. And maybe he used that clay and whatever was missing in his eyes, that clay got in there and fixed those eyes. And that's, that, that's wonderful. That's good t- preaching. But have you noticed that uh, Jesus Christ heals people in different ways? And I've always wondered that because he'll do this. He, he'll, he'll, he'll spit on the clay and sometimes he'll spit in the eyes. Or he'll, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll put his hands on them. Or he'll do all kinds. Or, or sometimes they'll come to him and they'll, he, and they'll say, we need you to come. Or, or, and he'll say, well, he'll be on his way and, they'll, and he'll heal them before he gets there. Or they'll come and they'll say, don't come, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus Christ said, I never found so great a faith in Israel. And, and then that person's healed. And Jesus Christ didn't come within three or four miles of the person. What's the difference? Whatever the person's faith, that's how Jesus Christ heals. Whatever the person's faith needs, that's what, how Jesus Christ heals. Amen. Sometimes they have great, great faith and Jesus Christ says, I don't need to spit on any clay. I don't need to come over and lay my hands on them. They're healed. Your faith is amazing, guys. You keep your faith in Jesus Christ. That's how Jesus Christ uses, the, uses that to work in your life. Your faith is so incredible and so important in your life. Jesus Christ can use that to do some amazing things. Your faith. And that guy needed this to happen. So in verse 7, he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way there, therefore and washed and came seeing. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Woo, when, Jesus gets a, when Jesus Christ gets a hold of you, the blind can see. Amen. What do I mean by that? It means that, you know, you, uh, you walk through this life and you don't even know you're blind, but you're blind. And until you come into, uh, until you come into the master from Galilee and, come and, and, and meet him, and you don't know how blind you are, and he'll open your eyes, and man, the whole world comes alive for you. And it, it's amazing that your life is never the same. And I praise the Lord for that. But this morning, that's not what I want to preach on. I want to preach on starting in verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, the man that was blind, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? So they asked the question, Is this not he that sat and begged? The rest of this chapter, chapter 9, is pretty amazing because there's at least 14 questions that are asked all through, the chap- all through this chapter 9. At least 14. Up to 16 questions are asked, depending on how you want to count them. But there's at least 14 that are asked directly in this chapter, just this chapter. And I want to preach this morning on that you need to ask questions seeking the truth and not confirmation. You need to ask questions seeking the truth and not for confirmation. When you ask a question, you need to be asking a question seeking for the truth and not for confirmation. Not for confirmation. What I mean by that is is so many people, and you're going to see the Pharisees do this in a couple of minutes, so many people act pharisaical and they ask questions just wanting the answer to confirm what they already believe. 
and you need to stop taking your belief system and try to ask questions on a belief system. You need to ask questions seeking for the truth and let the answer help you to come to the truth. They call that confirmation bias. That means people ask questions looking for a confirmation bias, meaning that they ask questions, and all they're doing is looking for the answer that will confirm what they already believe to be true. And that's very, very dangerous. And the whole world is set up that way. The whole world is set up asking questions like that. But you need to go through the Bible, and you need to go through your life, and you need to approach the Bible and approach your life asking questions, not trying to get confirmation of what you believe, but asking questions, seeking the truth. And when I say truth, I mean Jesus Christ, the truth, looking for truth. And that starts with Jesus Christ. So look at verse 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which were before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? You know what people are going to say whenever you, your eyes are open and you get saved? They're going to say, What happened to him? <laughs> he was a good old boy. He used to go out drinking. He used to come out and hang with us at the bars. He used to, you know, he used to not be a holy roller. He used to not be a religious nut. Whatever happened to him? Well, he got saved. That's what happened to him. He got his mind right. Verse 9, some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. <laughs> They're like, that's not him. That, that looks like him. That must be his twin brother. And that guy had to say, that's me. I was, that's me. I was blind, but now I see. And that's what you have to tell your friends. Hey, no, I'm the same king and I'm just, I'm saved. Amen. I'm the same king and I'm just saved. I'm happy, I'm saved. I am he. Verse 10, therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? See, there's another question. How would, how'd you get your eyes open? How'd you get them healed? Verse 11, he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. That's sad. That's so sad that a Christian doesn't know how to lead somebody else to Jesus Christ. He tells them everything Jesus Christ has did for him, but he doesn't know how to lead them to Jesus Christ. Then said they unto him, where is he? Where is Jesus? And he said, I know not. Guys, don't let that be you. You know, at the very least, you can pick up a gospel track. If you don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ, at the very least, you can pick up a gospel track. And you can say, hey, read this, and this will show you everything you need to do to get saved. That's easy enough, amen? At the very least, if you don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ, get a hold of me. I'll, I'll, I'll do a Bible study with you. I'll come over to your house. I'll show you. We can, I'll show you how to use the Romans road. I can show you some other verses. But if you get into church and you stay in a church, hopefully in this church for sure, you will learn how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. You'll see the scriptures. You'll know I'm going to turn you to John chapter 3 or I'm going to turn you to Romans chapter 10 or Romans 3. You, you'll know some of the scriptures. But at the very least, take one of these and hand it to them. And what you can do is you can read the back of this track and it'll tell you, give you scriptures of how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Guys, that's the saddest thing in the world when a Christian can't lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Uh-oh, that's no good. If there's one thing Jesus Christ deals with through the whole, all the Gospels is he's doing things on the Sabbath day and Jesus Christ just doesn't understand you're not supposed to be doing things on the Sabbath day. He just don't get it, you know? 
He's only the creator of the universe and God Almighty. He's an amazing miracle worker, but he just don't get it that we're supposed to stay at home on the Sabbath day and not do any kind of work. And they're going to have to get him for that. Verse 15, then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. So they asked the blind man, how did you receive his sight? He said unto them, he put clay upon my eyes and I washed and do see and do see. Therefore, some of the, excuse me, Pharisees, excuse me, therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So here's where you got a problem. You got a problem with these Pharisees because they're taking the Bible and their they're, they're, they're lack of knowledge on the Bible, their lack of, of knowing the Bible is causing them to call, call Jesus Christ a sinner. This is the craziest thing you could read. This man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. So they got this crazy idea, like I just said, that you can't do anything on the Sabbath day. And if you do something on the Sabbath day, you're a sinner and you're not of God and God would never do that. But what they don't understand is Leviticus 23 says you'll do no servile work. Servile work, which servile is a way of saying servant work. You'll do no servant work. In other words, you're not supposed to go make money on the Sabbath day. And Jesus Christ called them out for that because other parts in the scripture where he heals people up, they come and Jesus literally in Mark chapter 3, it says he got angry about this because they accused him of healing on the Sabbath. He goes, if one of you has a sheep or an oxen that's fallen in a pit, don't you go get him out on the Sabbath day? And they didn't answer him at all because they know that's exactly, amen. 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 That's not servile work. That's not servant work. You don't go out to get them out of the pit because that's your job. You get them out of the pit because that's the right thing to do. You're healing somebody on the Sabbath thing. You're not working. You're not getting paid to do it. That's the right thing to do. Amen. Guys, it's the right thing to do. You always, there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. Amen. Man, no matter if it's Sabbath or not. And they're, they're so crazy, so caught up in their spiritual ignorance and their biblical ignorance that they call Jesus. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division. There was a division, division among them. When people don't like the answers, they keep asking the same questions different ways to different people. And you're about to see that. So what you're going to have going on for the rest of this chapter here is you're going to have the Pharisees. They don't like the answer that this guy's going to give them, so they start asking the, the question, it's the same question, but they ask it, ask it in different ways, and they're going to ask it to different people. You know why? They, they're not seeking the truth. They're not asking a question for the truth. They're asking a question because they want the answer to, to make it to line up with what they believe about Jesus, about the Sabbath day, about their religious teaching, about what they believe in their heart. Guys, you need to get all that mess out of your heart and ask questions seeking for the truth and not for confirmation. It's called confirmation bias. How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles and there was a division among them? Verse 17. They say unto the blind man again. Here they go again. What says thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? He said he is a prophet. <laughs> well, of course he's going to say. They're like, well, what do you say about him? What do you say about this Jesus? He said he's a prophet. He opened my eyes. 
Amen. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty answer, pretty simple answer. He's a prophet. They don't like that. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. So this guy, they know something's going on, they know a miracle's happened, but even though they're getting these answers, even though they're asking him and he's telling them exactly what the truth is, they don't believe it, and they don't want to believe it. Be careful before you ask the question, because you might not like the answer you get. Thank you, Sister Patsy. Be careful before you ask a question, because you not, might not like the answer you get. I have people ask me questions at work all the time, and they don't like the answer that I give. I mean, I, I ride with these guys eight hours a day in this crane truck. And, and they're laborers, and, and they're, they're, basically they're working their way up. They just got on the job, and they're working their way up. And they have to get down on the ground, they have to rake, and they have to do different things, keep a pile going and everything. And guys, there's better workers than other workers. Yep. Amen? Amen? We don't all get the little uh, t-ball trophy. So, but the, it never fails. There's always one of them they will be riding with me, and they think they're a really, really good worker. And they'll be riding with me, and they're saying, uh, uh, you think I'm, I'm the best hand you got? So I got two options. I can either A, lie. Oh, yeah, you're the best, best hand I've ever had. Or B, tell them, no, you're not. I, I take B every time, brother. <laughs> I take V every time because I'm just honorary and I could be mean and I try to be nice about it. I'll say, well, you know, you could do better, you know. <laughs> and I'm not that I'm an honest guy. I just, you know, it, it kind of, it's arrogance from them to ask that. For me, it's arrogance that, that they think that they're that good, you know. If you think you're that good, that makes me want to knock you down. But if that same guy's riding along and said, well, I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job. I'll tell them, man, you're doing a good job. You're doing a great job. Mine, I might not tell them, you're the best hand I ever had, but I'll tell them, you're doing a good job. You're doing a great job. Because if they humble themselves, I want to exalt them. If they exalt themselves, it makes me want to humble them. You ever heard that before? That, you get around the Bible, that man, it changes you. You read this Bible, it changes the way you see people. Be afraid of the questions you ask, because you might not like the answers. One of my favorite commercials of all time is that old Geico commercial. Well, it says, can Geico save you money? And then the guy says, was Abraham Lincoln honest? And then they'd show, and it had like a black and white, and they showed Abraham's Lincoln little wife, Abraham Lincoln's little bitty wife there, and she has this dress. She goes, does this dress make my rear, my backside look big? And honest Abe is there, and he's like this, and he's like, maybe just a little. And, she's, and she gets mad and runs off the screen. <laughs> she should have asked the question. She should have asked the question. And then Abe, you know, it's like, well, darling, you know, he's trying to chase her around. You know, I've got to be honest, you know. <laughs> Maybe just a little. I mean, if you YouTube that, it's on YouTube. You got to, it's, it's funny. It's funny. But the, po the point is, is that Jesus Christ was always giving them the truth. And that's why they were offended all the time. They didn't, they asked questions and he'd give them answers. They didn't like the answers. And that's what this guy's doing. They're dealing with this. That's what the kind of nonsense that they're dealing with. So verse 19. So they're going to call this guy's parents. And they asked them, the parents of this blind man, saying, Is this your son who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? See, they don't believe the answer, so what do they do? They're going to keep asking the same question to different people in different ways. 
Let's not be that way, guys. If you don't like the answer somebody gives you, then you need to sit down and be honest and say, okay, well, what do I need to do to take a little bit off the backside? You just need to look at what you need to do to change that. If, I'm in, if you're in a truck with me and you say, am I, am I the best hand you got? And I say, no, you're not. You shouldn't get offended by that. You should say, well, I'm going to make sure you say I am the best hand. And get down there and work real, real hard. Make me say that. Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah. You, and then I have to say it, right? All right. Okay. Look, we're living in a society where nobody wants to have their feelings hurt. Everybody has their feelings on their shoulder. Everybody's yellow belly and coward. And they're so afraid of being offended and offending you. And we're living in such a PC society. Ah, I can't stand it. I work around that stuff, man. I got to be careful what comes out of my mouth. I got to be careful what I say. I got to be careful what I speak. What I, I just get sick of it, man. That's one reason I love going home. When I come into my house, I can say what I want to say, how I want to say it, and, and you, the only one who can get mad is my wife, you know. <laughs> amen. And she knows I'm stupid, so she puts up with me. Man, that's, amen. Oh, you're t- I'm tired of the society we live in. It gets old, man, and that's why people like Trump so much. I brought this up in Sunday school. People like Trump so much because he's not politically correct. Amen. Yeah, man, he's calling people horse face and all kinds of stuff. Who does that? Nobody should be doing that, right? You know, you know we, oh, no, we don't call people names. You know, we don't call people. The President of the United States is not supposed to be calling people names. And I, I believe that. I mean, I'm saying that because I believe you. If you're president, if I was a president, I wouldn't be calling people horse face. The reason why I act the way I am is because I'm in this small church. Y'all understand that, right? Well, if you get 100 people in here, I got to change. I can't be making jokes about people's rear ends and stuff like that. I got to be a little bit more respectable. And, you know, you, if, you go to a, if you go to a funeral and I'm preaching a funeral and there's a lot more people around that don't know me and it's a lot, supposed to be a lot more up, you don't see me making jokes like this, you know. I, I mean, but I can't. I mean, you, gotta, you can't. It's too polite. People get offended. Yeah, it's easy for y'all to say, Yo, you just keep acting like you, Brother Keegan, but you don't have to meet those ladies in the back after the service, man. They come up to me, like, oh, you offended me. I can't believe you said that. You don't, you don't understand. And my mama was, a, you know, oh my gosh. You know, I say something bad about motorcycles or something. I didn't even say something bad about motorcycles. I get the call, ring, ring, ring. Oh, I didn't know you didn't like motorcycles. I like to ride motorcycles. I didn't say I don't like motorcycles. I was just making a joke. Well, you know what? You don't understand what I mean. You know, I had to take the phone and go like that. I get chewed on. I like, that's what I like about Jesus Christ and what you're going to see about this blind man. He doesn't care. He's going to let it rip. He's going to say it just like he should say it. If you don't like the answers that he's given you, you shouldn't have asked him. And you're about to see that, but this is not the truth about the parents. His parents answered them and said, verse 20, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Look, they're, they're, they're cowards. They're afraid of something. What, what's going on here? These words, verse 22, These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. 
They're afraid to lose their standing in the community. They're afraid to lose their, their standing in the church, in the local synagogue. So they didn't say anything about Jesus Christ. They just said, well, we don't know. We don't know what happened. They lied. So some people will not give you the right answer because of fear. I don't want to be one of them. Amen. Amen. And when it comes to Jesus Christ, guys, when somebody asks you a question, it don't matter if, they're, if, if there's, what you're going to say is going to offend them. It doesn't matter if what you're going to say is going to hurt their feelings, guys. If they ask you something about Jesus Christ, you just give it to them the truth, okay? And, and, you know, there's times that we tell little white lies, like I was just making a joke about. You know, does this, does this dress look good on me, whatever? And we lie sometimes. Yeah, it looks good. You're, yeah, your hair looks so good. And, you know, we turn around, ah, you know, it don't look good. But we, because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, you better hurt their feelings. Amen. I mean, I, 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 you know, you got to, man. And you can say it. You can say, hey, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but the Bible says, and then you give it to them. Amen. You know, I'm not out to hurt you, but I'm out to give you the truth. You know, Paul said, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Paul was right. We don't want to be your enemies. We just want to tell you the truth, but that turns people on you. People are afraid but to give the right answer. They're afraid of your reaction. They're afraid of your reaction. We're afraid to give the right answer about Jesus Christ because we're afraid people's reaction, they're going to get offended. They're going to get mad. We're going to get angry. And guys, if you witness for very long and you hand out tracts to people and you talk to people about Jesus Christ, you're going to see all those emotions. You're going to see people's face get just stone cold hard. And their face is going to turn red. And it looks like they're going to punch you in the face. And you know, you, it looks like they're going to punch you. And you've got, sometimes you've got to be careful. And just back off. But you give them the truth, man. You, you, you're going to see people act that way. But that shouldn't keep us from giving the truth. Amen. You know, that's what, when God sent Ezekiel out, God told Ezekiel, hey, they're going to look at you. They're going to give you dirty faces. They're going to give you mean looks. Do not care. Do not bother with it. Just keep giving it to them. That's what God told Ezekiel. Because he, he knew what those people were going to act like. People are afraid of your reaction. They're going to be afraid to, they'll be afraid to give you the right answer because of the reaction. They're going to be afraid of retribution, which is what you're finding there, retribution. They're afraid that uh, if I give you the right answer, you're going to turn on me, and you're going to do something back to me. And that's true. Hey, man, the truth sometimes can hurt. And if you start telling people the truth, uh, it, turn, it, could cost you, uh, it could cost you a promotion at your job. It could cost you a place in your family. I mean, all this stuff's happened. To people I love, I've seen people, good preachers that have lost family members over telling the truth at the, at the Thanksgiving dinner table. All this could happen. I'm just warning you. But it's worth telling the truth for Jesus Christ. I mean, it is worth telling the truth. And you're, going up, you're afraid to be offensive. And you're afraid to be offensive. We're afraid to be offensive. Sometimes, guys, sometimes when it comes to being offensive, sometimes we're afraid to offend somebody, but there's something more important than being, than being afraid of being offensive, and that importance is the truth. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we're afraid we're going to offend somebody, and we should be. You know, I'm not out to offend. I, you know, we don't personally want to have people mad at us, right? Human nature is we want to be pleasers. We want to please people. We don't want people mad at us. But there comes a time that some, there's things that are more important, like the gospel and Jesus Christ. There's things that are more important than trying not to be offensive. And that importance is the truth. 
Amen, amen, amen. All right. So verse 23, Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Verse 24, Then again called they the man that was blind. See, they won't leave it alone. They don't like the answers, so they're going to keep asking the same questions. They called him again and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus Christ. They're praising God. And they're using God's name. And guys, that's a very important thing you need to understand as a Christian. Just because you hear people saying the name of Jesus or hear people saying the name of God doesn't mean that they're right. Alright? We know these Pharisees are wrong and they're using God's name and they're saying, we know he's a sinner. We know, look, we know that this man is a sinner talking about Jesus Christ. No, he's not. They're wrong. He's not a sinner. But they want to say he is. And that, that's the kind of stuff you're going to deal with with people. They're going to badger you. They're going to hound you. They're going to ask you questions. And when you give them the right, the truth, they're going to keep asking you the same question over and over again. They're going to, keep, they're going to try to twist it around on you. Guys, you don't need to know everything. Amen. Listen, you don't need to know everything in the Bible to witness. You don't need to know everything about the Bible to hand out a track. You don't need to know all that. It's good if you know more, amen. But don't be afraid. Just know the truth. The truth that you know, right? Just the truth that you know. Now, look at verse 25. This is what I mean by that. Look at verse 25. This is what the blind man answered back to him. He, said, he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. He says, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. I can't prove he's not a sinner. But look, one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. <laughs> Woo! I love that man. He goes, I don't know if Jesus is a sinner. I don't know if he's a sinner or not. But I know one thing. I know I was blind and now I see. Amen. Yeah, explain that, you know. Hey, I can't tell you what, what, what this is in Genesis or Exodus or Revelation. I can't tell you what all this is. But one thing I do know, I was lost, but now I'm saved. Amen. I'm saved, amen, and praise the Lord, I'm saved. How do you know I'm saved? I, I know I'm saved. <laughs> you can't talk me out of it. Well, there's a problem over here I found in 1 Chronicles the other day. Will you please explain that? I can't explain that, but one thing I do know, Jesus Christ saved me. Amen. See, you don't have to know everything to know the simple truth that you're saved, amen? amen? And that's what this blind man is saying. You think you're so smart and you're telling me that he's, not a, he's a sinner. I'm saying, I don't know. He might be. I don't know. But I know one thing. The one thing I do know one thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. Yes, I like this guy. See, this is a guy like me and you that knew where he was and knows where he's at now. And that changes you. When you know you were a sinner and Jesus Christ saves you, that should change you. And that should give you the courage to say, hey, I don't care what you think about Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the truth. He is the man. He is the one you need to be saved. There is a devil's hell, and you will go there without Jesus Christ. That is the truth. Well, tell me, explain this to me. Explain that to me. I don't have to explain it. I don't want to explain it. I'm just telling you what I know to be the truth. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 26. Then said they to him again. They're going to do it again, guys. What did he, what did he, to, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? See, they don't like the answers he's given. So they're going about different questions, different ways, and they've gone to different people. Now they're going back to him. Don't be asking questions, seeking for confirmation. Ask questions, seeking for the truth. Amen. That's what my point I'm making. Don't be like these Pharisees. 
Look at what he answers in verse 27. Oh, I love this guy. He answered them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? <laughs> Ooh, wee. Oh, they, know. they didn't like, they're not going to like that. He said, you already asked me. Why do you want to hear it again? Are you trying to be his disciples? Oh, he's been a smart aleck. And you know me, Brother Keegan, he loves smart alecks. That's why this church is full of smart alecks. I love them, man. I love being a smart aleck. I grew up around a bunch of smart alecks. My sweet wife, she's the total opposite of a smart aleck. She's sweet, and everything she says is what she means, and it always comes out non-offensive. And, and I know a lot of that needs to rub off on me. But then when she got around me and my sister, she's like, I think y'all hate each other. And it seems that way because I'm always saying something smart aleck to her. She's saying something smart aleck to me. It's always a bunch of smart. And I know that gets tiresome. But, boy, I love that guy right there. Well, you want to be his disciple? I love that kind. I love that, man. I just, that's just me. Verse 28, then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. See, they started yelling at him. And let me show you something there. They say there in verse 28, and said, Thou art his disciple. When you won't profess Jesus Christ, people will profess him for you. Yeah. Some of y'all are going to get some of y'all are going to do some bad things in your life. Some of y'all are going to go off and get off and doing things you're not supposed to be doing. And there's going to come a time where somebody's going to look at you and say, What are you doing here? You don't belong here. You're a Christian. And it's going to make you feel about that tall. I've been out there living in the boondocks. I've been out there doing things I shouldn't do. And I've had people turn to me and say, what are you doing here? You're not even one of us. And I knew exactly what they meant. As a Christian, they know you're not supposed to be acting a certain way. And there's certain ways you're supposed to be acting. And they're professing Jesus Christ for him when he's not doing it. He's just saying, I know who Jesus Christ is. And they're saying, you are his disciple." Because he has been his disciple, amen? And he's turning it on them, and he's being a smart aleck, and they turn around and say, okay, you're his disciple. We're not his disciples. We're Moses' disciples. Verse 29, we know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fella, we know not from whence he is. That's sad. That's so sad to know the whole Old Testament and not know Jesus Christ out of the New Testament. How sad is that? That's every Jew that's not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's a sad, sad state of affairs. Verse 30. The man answered and said unto them, Why, the, why herein is a marvelous thing. I love this guy. Herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. That's a great truth, guys. If you're in here and you're not having some prayers answered, maybe you need to check and make sure that sin's not separating you from God when it comes to having prayers answered. Sin can be a hindrance to getting your prayers answered. Yeah, we don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. The Bible teaches us that. I mean, you're still a part of the family, but you're not doing the Father's will, and He's not going to bless you. It's like a child. If a child's not doing what the parent wants them to do, the parent's not going to bless them. You start doing what I told you to do, and then I'll bless you. You're still part of the family, but when I told you to take out the trash, take out the trash. Then you get your allowance. 
that's not the society we live in, see? That's why people are so messed up and it's so hard to witness to them because they're so used to not doing anything right and still getting the allowance. They're so used to going to school and going to school and acting like complete monsters and the teachers can't spank them or can't do anything to them and they know that. And they still expect to get, well, I get to go on a field trip, don't I? Man, they wouldn't want me being a teacher. I'd last about two days, sister, because they'd probably have me in jail. If some kid's over there, well, make me, make me, I'd be like, whack. Yeah, I made you right there in the face, you know. I don't know. My, my wife's come home and told me these stories where, they, where these kids look at her with their nose in the air. Make me do it. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. Now you know, I'm a, I know why my wife comes home is kind of jittering sometimes, you know. Just, I have to cut that out of the radio ministry, Brother Coggin. That would get me kicked off the air. That's what I'm saying. See, I can't be PC. You know how much of this I have to edit out for the radio ministry? All right, man, I better get back and finish this up. <clears throat> now, God here is not sinners. Verse 32, since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Verse 34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? That's the question they have for this guy. And they cast him out. They cast him out. You know what I love about the Lord God is you don't need a seminary degree to know the Bible. Amen. You just uh, can go, uh, if you can get you a Bible, you can get a degree from the Holy Spirit Seminary and you can learn this book. The Holy Spirit can teach you this book. And you just keep reading it and reading it and studying it and God will teach you this book. And you'll have more knowledge than those Pharisees. Just having the Holy Spirit in you and trying to get close to God, He'll teach you this book. And He'll send you people that will help you learn this book. And that's the amazing thing. And they said, does thou teach us? He should be teaching them. He has been teaching them. And they don't get it. Verse 35. Jesus, here we go, full circle, guys, in closing. We're going full circle. Jesus heard that they had cast Him out. The best thing that happened to you in life is to be cast out by the world. Praise the Lord for that. Your friends, you get saved and your friends stop talking to you, that's the best thing that happened to you. Some of your family members cast you out, oh man, great, wonderful. Because you know what's going to happen? Jesus Christ will show back up. <laughs> Look, just, Jesus heard, he's listening, he's listening, Jesus heard, he knows what's going on in your life. He heard about it, and he doesn't have to do this, amen. Because Jesus Christ is a very, very important, busy man. If you hadn't been reading the Bible with me. So, but he hears about it. And you, don't you know his disciples are over there. And they're like hanging out. And there's all these thousands of people trying to get healed. And Jesus Christ says, well, hold on, guys. i got to go take care of something real quick. Where's he going? For one guy. Jesus heard about it. Heard they cast him out. And when he had found him, he went and found him. Look what he says. He, Jesus said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? That is the single most question somebody can ask you. So that's the question I have this morning for you. Do you believe on the Son of God? Do you believe on Jesus Christ? Verse 36, and he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? See, he don't know. He doesn't realize who he's talking to. Verse 37, Jesus Christ says, And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Wow, man, the Lord... What, what, what to be led to the Lord by the Lord. Man, how, how amazing is that? And, and look what he says in verse 38. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. 
Yes. The blind man says, he, Lord, I believe. Can you say that this morning? Amen. If I was to ask you, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Do you believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can you say with a smile, I believe. I believe. And he worshiped him. Well, the answer to me, the answer I have to you is, if you say, I believe, the answer I have to you is, come over here and let's worship him together. And if you're in another church, I'll meet you in heaven. We'll worship him together up there. I'm not trying to get you into this church. I'm not trying to get you to be a Baptist or anything else. I'm just trying to get you saved. And if you're saved, let's worship Him together. Let's praise Him together. Let's try to get other people saved. And if you're not saved, and if you can't answer that I believe, then what in the world are you waiting on? You're simply a Pharisee. Honestly, listen, listen, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but you're just like a Pharisee, and there's nothing good said about a Pharisee in the Bible. You're just like a Pharisee that's asking the questions, not seeking for the truth, but just trying to get a confirmation bias, just trying to confirm your self-made beliefs. And if you want to just deny the truth, you can keep believing what you believe, and it'll give you a little bit of peace in this world, and you're going to go straight to hell. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. But if you want to want a place up in heaven, you want to be with Jesus Christ, you want to be with the man that can heal the blind, heal the lame, make the lepers clean, you want to be with the man that's a friend of sinners, that man is Jesus Christ, and the Bible says you must believe on him. Amen. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm a lot of bad things, and you've heard me say a lot of stupid and bad things this morning, but there's one thing I do know I am. I am a believer in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you for these people, Father God, that made effort to come out here. Father, I ask you to bless each and every one of them. And Father, Lord, you know, as we read through this scripture, Father, we've seen this blind man giving us the truth, Lord. And Father, they were asking him questions, Lord, and he just kept telling them what he knew. And Father, if there's somebody that's dealing with somebody that's, that's lost, Lord, and they want them to be saved, Father, I ask you to just give them the truth, Lord. Give them the courage. Give them the witnessing ability, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, Father, speak out through them, Lord, and Father, I ask you to bless them, and Father, if there's somebody who needs the sound of my voice that's not for sure, if they're going to go to heaven or hell, Father, if they're not for sure, they can't say for sure if they were to die tonight that they would go to heaven, Father, I pray this, we'll give this invitation, we'll come on down the aisle, Lord God, and Father, we just want to thank you that salvation, Father, is no work, there's nothing we need to do, Father, we just need to simply put our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, thank you, Father, for making it so simple that a child or somebody who's bedridden can do it, Father. We thank you for that. We thank you for the simplicity we have in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for a place called heaven. And we're praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him